You're listening to the King's Church Podcast. Visit us online at kingswisbeach.org.uk. Today's the last in our current series because, of course, next week is December. And in December, we look at Advent and we look at, um, and we look at all, all stuff related to Advent. So um, today is the last one. Now, this series has been called, rather than Mission Impossible, Mission Possible. And I'm actually going to start, in a sense, with the end. Okay. What I want to do just now is I want to start by saying, what has the series been about? What is the point of the series? What have we been trying to do? The point of the series is simply this. The book of Acts is history. It is the story of people like you and me who God got hold of and did remarkable things with. He took people that the world that we might have said were not good. He took people who in their own eyes did not have many skills. He took people who had had previous careers. They were coming to the end of what they thought their time was. He took young people who had never, you know, this was them starting out on their jobs. He took them all and did remarkable things with them. And we are here today because of that. We know the gospel. We have become Christians. We are part of this family because of what Jesus did with that motley crew. He changed the world. And when, it's the, word, when the, the title is called Mission Possible, it isn't just about them, it's about us. The mission is possible because we are the people in Acts today, because Acts never finished. It's just that we've stopped writing it down in this particular book. You can find hundreds of other books where it's being written down, but not in this particular one. We are the people of Acts today. In this room, we have the Timothys, the Pauls, the Barnabases. All the people you read about are here. Look around you. Are you... Let me ask you this question. This is what God's been shouting at me all morning. Are you listening? That's not to you. He's been saying it to me. Am I listening? Do I believe that God can use me? You, all of us, absolutely Fiona, every one of us, are we sat there going, it doesn't apply to me? I'm too bad. I'm not, I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm not clever enough. I'm not skilled enough. I've got too much to do. I'm already working my socks off at work. I can't do anything else. I, I, I'm sure you could come up with a hundred of us examples. Mission possible. 
any of us at any time, in any second, in fact, in the next half hour, you will have loads of opportunities to do exactly what Jesus wants you to do and to affect all the people around you. And then you can go out of here and keep going. I can. We all have the opportunity. And it's possible. It is possible. Now, that's the end. Okay, in one sense, I could now leave. But let's just go through this passage. So we're looking at Acts 20 now. So if you want to re- you know, summarize what's been happening, okay, or, or review it yourself, read Acts. Just read it. It's a remarkable story. It's just incredible what's going on. But Acts 20. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing just because it's all so long, but let's, we'll read chunks of it. So I'll start at verse 1. So Paul, as usual, had gone to a town, caused um, a, a mini riot, okay, and now here, this is where we're at. Yeah. When the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. He travelled through that area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people, and finally arrived in Greece, where he stayed for three months. Because the Jews made a plot against him, just as he was about to sail for Syria, he decided to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by Sopater, uh, son of Pyrrhus from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, uh, Timothy also, Antichius and Trophimus from the province of Asia. These men went on ahead and waited for us at Troas. But we sailed from Philippi after the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and five days later joined the others at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. It's just like somebody's diary, isn't it? Yeah. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. I promise I won't. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Seated in a window, there was a young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked. Please don't, please. Uh, And um, when when he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on top of the young man, put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. And then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. Let's move on now. Okay, so Paul was really good friends um, and had a close relationship with the Church of Ephesus. He'd put a lot of work in there and he'd spent a lot of time ministering there. So now on his journey home, journey back to where he came from, well, in fact, he didn't realise at this moment, but on to Jerusalem, okay, he calls the Ephesus people together. So verse 22, and now compelled by the spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. This is what Paul says to the elders. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. And now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Very sad. So at that point, he just challenges them and says, have I done anything wrong? Do, any, do I owe you anything? Effectively saying goodbye. 
saying goodbye to his mates. Now, in verse 32. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. And they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. And then they accompanied him to the ship. So over the last few weeks then, what we've been looking at is the ministry of Paul on his trips, and Matt's done a great job of, of expounding some of those um, activities that Paul got into. Paul had learnt over the last, over these years, although for us just a few chapters, how to listen to the Holy Spirit, how to move when the Holy Spirit said move, how to cope in challenging situations and when put in prison what do you do then what do you do when somebody says how can I be saved what do you do when somebody dies he's been learning his own ministry and when we get to this point we are seeing a man at the height of what everybody in the world would have called his ministry so he's, he's been around his known world and there are churches all over the place that have happened because of his ministry. He's written letters that are now part of our Bible that we teach from. His writings are foundational teachings for us. He's, he's written to people. He moves in the gifts of the Holy Spirit in ways that we would call remarkable. Gifts of knowledge, words of wisdom when Paul's on the scene people listen so here he is the man at the very height nowadays he'd be preaching you know he'd be preaching to thousands he could have TV ministries and all sorts of things but what we see here is that God has a different plan for, for Paul God has a different plan. Now, if we look at what Paul does, okay, let's go to the um, to the bits we were looking at. Okay, so if we look at start at verse twenty, okay, so Paul effectively now what he's doing is he's gone out done his missionary visit, and the idea is now he's coming back home. Okay, so on his way back, he's got his route planned. But things start to go wrong so if we look at um, verse 2 he traveled through the area speaking many words of encouragement to the people finally arrived in Greece where he stayed for three months you know this is what he did Holy Spirit told him to stay there he stays there but then the Jews make a plot against him as he was about to sail for Syria where he was going to go next so he went back to Macedonia now if you remember Matt's teaching Macedonia was where he'd been called to so this is where the man had gone. You know, he'd, he had his dream. 
come to Macedonia, the, the jailer and all the rest of it. So he goes back to that place where he set up a church, the jailer and all his family and everybody else, he set up a church and he starts to teach there. So he's strengthening the church there. Okay. So his direction of travel has changed because of both the Holy Spirit, but also what man's doing. But all the time he's following. Okay. All the time, Paul is listening, moving, obeying what the Holy Spirit is saying to him now. But what is he saying? So, we get to, he has his meeting, he goes to uh, Troas, we have this whole episode where he, he raises somebody from the dead. Now that is the height of ministry, isn't it? I'm not being funny. I'd see that as a real tick in my box. And, you know, that's quite an achievement if I prayed for somebody and they raised from the dead, okay? That's where Paul is. But Jesus now says to Paul, right, we need to go on to Assos. They're going to sail on land 20 miles, Troas to Assos 20 miles, by sea half a day, boat trip. Paul says, I'll walk it. You go on the boat, I'll walk. Why? What did Jesus do when he wanted to talk to the Father? He went up into the hills. He went for a walk. He went to the place where nobody else was because he needed to listen. Paul goes off for a walk because Jesus says we need to have a chat. Okay, right, let's go for a walk then. I've done that. If I wanted to talk to somebody, we go for a walk. So Paul walks to Assos. Now, I'm not certain before that walk whether Jesus actually said to him, I want you to go to Jerusalem for me. Or whether actually it'd been, you know, it'd been something that's been gnawing away at him for over a few months. We don't know. We're not told. But after that, he's now set his mind. He's set his course. He's on his way to Jerusalem now. And more importantly, on that 20-mile trip, Jesus said to him, and the people you're going to see now, you need to say goodbye to, because you're not going to see them again. Now, Paul was prepared to break his ministry, in a sense. This is where Paul is. He was able to put down this incredible ministry. He's just raised somebody from the dead. He's prepared to put it down because the Lord says, now go to Jerusalem. Now, Paul didn't know what, what God was doing. He didn't know why Jesus was asking him to do that. He just knew that hardship was going to follow. But Jesus had a real plan. And there are lots of times in our lives when Jesus might say to us, do this, and we might go, why are you doing that? But Jesus has got a plan. Let me read to you Isaiah. This is what God told Isaiah. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked, this is Isaiah 55 verse 6 by the way. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God for he will freely pardon. For our thoughts are not your thoughts. Sorry, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. 
as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts and your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so it is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. We don't have to understand why Jesus is asking us to do something. He doesn't ask us to do it because we understand it. He asks us to do it because he asks us to do it. And his purposes are never thwarted. Everything he puts, what he empowers, will happen. Satan tries to disrupt it, but it will happen. Paul's amazing because he went, okay. I don't know if I'd have done that quite as easily. But he did. And we see him talking to his friends. Now, interestingly, notice, and we tend to think of Paul as being quite a loner. He didn't just call the Ephesus elders to meet him so he could say goodbye. He's just been told that his current ministry is finishing. So what does he do? He meets with the elders that he respects most, the people he has the closest relationship with. Now, we only hear Paul's comments and we get Luke's thing. But here he is, he's presenting himself to those elders. And he's saying, this is what I believe is going to happen from here. And this is what the Lord's called me to. Now, they could have stood up, any of them could have stood up and said, Paul, you've got this totally wrong. This is what we see, but none of them do. In fact, at the very end of chapter 20, we see them all kneeling down to pray together and blessing him on his mission. But he checked it out. Nobody should go off doing something totally by themselves without first checking it out with other mature Christians. You should go to them and just say, this is what the Lord's saying to me. Does it sound right? Because the Satan is really clever and he can confuse us. And also, believe it or believe it or not, we have an ego. So I might want to go and do something that I think is going to be really snazzy or powerful or make me famous. It might be something inside me that's, that's driving it. It might not be Jesus at all and I've just twisted his words. So even Paul was prepared to go before the other people and say, this is what I see. Does anybody disagree with me? No. Right, off we go. This was the route to Paul's death. Paul was about to face years and years of prison. He was about to face having his liberty taken away from him. He was about to face you know, the whole storm bit. He gets tossed into the sea, all that stuff. But do you know what? What did God do with him? He met kings, you know, Roman soldiers who would never have had a chance to hear the gospel, heard it. Prisoners who never had a chance. In the end, he ended up in the, with the emperor of Rome. He had the chance to talk to the people in Malta. So the Maltese church was formed because of this, him sacrificing himself at this point. So all the stuff, all the hardship he faced, God was using him incredibly because he said, yes. Now, what about us? What, what can we learn from all this? So, I've always um, 
stood in admiration of these people who come up with the mnemonics. Oh, so guess what? I tried hard and I've come up with one that I actually think is worth something. So, the word that God gave me was trust. God, for the last 15 years, one of the most common things he says to me is, do you trust me? And there are times when I go, yep. And there are times when I go, mm, do you want the honest truth here or, you know? The answer is, mm, I'm not saying. But he just keeps coming back. Do you trust me? So, trust. T, talk to Jesus. I need to talk to Jesus. You need to talk to Jesus. Talk to Jesus. He will tell you what the direction is. Now you might be going, oh, I'm not certain. It's unclear. Am I hearing right? And it's like a child having to learn how to understand what Jesus is saying to us. But he will talk. He wants to talk. That's the whole point. He wants a relationship with us. He's wanted to talk to us from the day we were born. He wants to talk. Talk to Jesus. He will talk to you. And he'll use you if you're prepared to let him. Two, R, release. In the modern phrase, the one we're used to now is let go. Are you prepared to put down what you're doing now to go into what God wants you to do? Paul put down something which everybody would have said was really, really good. But God had used all that because he wanted him to talk to thousands of other people. So he took Paul on a slightly different journey. Used all the same skills, used the fact that Paul could talk, used the fact that Paul was prepared to, to um, you know, verbalize things. He could argue, he was a, you know, virtually a lawyer in his own time. He had all those skills, he could stand up in court and defend himself. Okay, God took all of that to enable him to carry out the ministry he was going into. But at this moment in time, he had to lay down something that everybody, he just raised somebody from the dead. He had to put down that to go on what God said, this is going to be really hard. Now for each of us, whether we're currently ministering or not, if Jesus says to you, well, let's start at the beginning. Do you want to get to know me? Are we prepared to say yes? If he says, I want you to do this, are we prepared to say yes? Are we prepared to put down that which we say is valuable when he says, do this? Are we prepared to say yes? And if I'm being honest in my own life, the answer has quite often been no. I bottled it. I've chickened out. I've gone, can't work. Don't see it. Why would you ask me to do that? That looks like it's going to hurt. Why should I do that? The times when I haven't, when I've said to him, yes, I can honestly say remarkable things have happened. I was scared to death before I met, when I met Anna. I was scared to death, not of Anna. 
<laughs> That's the rest of you, right? I met Anna, okay, and I fell in love with her, and I actually believed genuinely, out of my own fear, that I would do her more harm than good. So, so I decided I should l l leave her because I would hurt her. I didn't want to do that. But I prayed, and God told me to marry her. And I said, but I'll hurt her. He said, she'll hurt you as well. <laughs> it's going to be, you know, this good's going to come out of this. I'm telling you, marry her. So she was absolutely shocked when I asked her to marry her, to marry me. Because I'd been moping around thinking, oh, I'll have to, you know, I can't do this to her. And God told me, no, marry her. And I'm not being funny. I'm really, really pleased with what God's done out of that. Some wonderful, wonderful things, people, all sorts of situations. And the, you could go on. When I've said yes, it works. When I say no. So, am I prepared to release it? Am I prepared to let go of what's gone on behind? Even if it was a mess, I made mistakes. Yes, I've made mistakes. I've done things wrong. Am I prepared to let it go because God's telling me to do this now? It will work now because God's saying it, not me. Unique, you, trust, T-I-U. You are unique. God is calling you to do it. Don't say they can do it. He isn't asking them. He's asking you. How many times have I had to say to my kids when I've asked them to do something, and they go, my brother can do that, my sister can do that. I'd go, no, I asked you. <laughs> You are unique. Your skill set is unique. Jesus knows who's best to do this job. He wouldn't ask you if it wasn't for you. You will bless others because you do this. Unique. S. Jesus is absolutely safe. And he is strong enough to do it. If he asks you to do something, he will do it with you he will not dump you he is absolutely safe and I can say that because I've been on the journey with him 40 years last one T true okay Jesus wants to bless you and me he wanted to bless Paul. The path might be difficult, but he was blessing him and he was blessing people through him. Even when it's a challenge, he's trying to bless us. He wants to bless the world through us. You know, Jesus went to the cross. He might have said to his father, and indeed did, isn't there another way? I believe Jesus is blessed now because he went to the cross. His father loved him and part of loving him was sending him to the cross. It doesn't necessarily feel like it for a while. I'm sure he didn't feel blessed on the cross. But I bet he did afterwards. And I bet he does now when he looks at us and he sees his family and he sees his brothers and sisters. Trust. So, 
I'll leave it with one last question. What is Jesus saying to you now? What are you feeling? What are you hearing? What are you reading? What's he saying to you? Because he is talking to you. I'm telling you. His word to me this morning was, listen. He's talking to us. He's talking to me. What's he saying to you? And whatever he's saying to you, you have the power to do it. So, trust. Talk to Jesus. Let go of what you've currently got hold of, that he's, you know, that's stopping you doing this thing, or that you're afraid of, or whatever. You are unique. He's not calling somebody else to do this. He's calling you. You can do it. He is safe. He is strong. He's not dropping you in it. And he has the power to do it. And he is true. He will always, as it said in Isaiah, accomplish the purpose for which he sent his word. Okay. So, Father, thank you. We thank you for the privilege of knowing you. Thank you for the privilege of being your family. Thank you, Jesus, for being my brother. So, we praise you. And we just ask you now, help us. Because we are very weak. We are very weak.